Welcome to the Anthro to UX podcast, where you will learn how to break into UX with an anthropology degree. Through conversations with leading anthropologists working in user experience, you will learn firsthand how others made the transition, what they learned along the way, and what they would do differently. We will be discussing what it means to do UX research from a practical perspective and what you need to do to prepare a resume and portfolio. I'm your host, Matt Arts, a business anthropologist specializing in design anthropology and working at the intersection of product management, user experience, and business strategy. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Matt Arts of Anthro to UX. I'm here today with Joe Aiken, who is a senior UX researcher at Google and previously at NASA. So some really interesting experience. Um, Joe, would you start by telling everybody how you got interested in anthropology? Um, yeah, so thanks for having me. Um, I come to anthropology from a very random, um, I guess, pathway. <laughs> um, I started, I was always interested in working at NASA as a child and started off studying aerospace engineering as an undergrad because I thought that's how you get a job at NASA. I didn't think you could do anything else but be an engineer at NASA, so that's what I studied. Um, interned and co-opted all throughout high school and college and started working at NASA full-time as a contractor. Um, when I started to really figure out I wasn't cut out to be an engineer, I was really more interested in more of the human side of things. And um, I guess, unfortunately, um, that was also the time that the spatial Columbia accident happened. So I was part of the team that was helping with the recovery of the debris from that accident. And I was actually assigned to one of the, to the investigation board as kind of, uh, my title was like historian. I was kind of like a, a fancy note taker. Um, cause you have to remember I was fresh out as an undergrad. So this is actually a really cool opportunity, um, career wise, um, albeit unfortunate events, but that was the first time I ever heard of the word ethnography. There was a consulting firm that we brought in to do ethnography. These act people actually weren't anthropologists. I didn't know at the time. I know now <laughs> they weren't anthropologists, but they were doing ethnography at NASA. And I thought it was so cool. Um, so I wound up leaving NASA and going back to grad school. And, um, and even at the time, I didn't really know where I could study ethnography actually researched my way into anthropology. I started with a list of, of degrees you could get, and I started with the A's and somehow laid on anthropology. And that's where I, again, heard that word ethnography. I was like, I remember that from NASA, so that's really cool. Um, so that's how I got involved, started taking anthropology classes, and I guess the rest is history. So I'm going to come back to anthropology in just a second, but out of curiosity, why did you want to work for NASA at such a young age? I mean, aside from the fact that it's super cool, but... Yeah. I mean, I always wanted, as a little kid, I always wanted to be an astronaut. I would always say, I want to work for NASA and or be an astronaut. It wasn't always like I had to be an astronaut, but I always wanted to do that. I mean, as like a five-year-old um, watching space shuttle launches, my mom would actually let me skip school if the launch was during the school day. <laughs> And let me watch the space shuttle launches. And um, so the, you know, the experience that you had right after college, you're here, you're, you know, you're, you said your title is something like historian, but obviously that must have been an emotional time. And so how did that influence what you thought about, you know, working at NASA and the idea of, you know, that in the future, you know, was that 
was that more exciting to you, like, or, or you know, that you could help, or was that actually sort of scary? Yeah, I mean, it was a little both. I can't say it wasn't scary. I mean, as as I got older, even with my desire to be an astronaut, and realize it's not that safe. And actually, I was that five year old sitting at home watching when the Challenger um, accident happened. Four or five, can't remember. But anyway, however old I was, I was sitting there watching that live on television. Um, so even from a young age, I always knew it was a little bit risky, but then of course, the older I got, the more I that realized that. And yeah, the, um, when the Columbia accident happened, it was super emotional. I'm also originally from East Texas and my parents lived in Nacogdoches. And that was one of the areas where, um, most of the debris fell over, um, from the Columbia accident. So yeah, it was very, very emotional time. Um, and it was also kind of one of those things too, that I think because, ethnography as a method um, tends to, whether it's anthropologists conducting it or, or someone else, tends to come from this paradigm of wanting to build rapport um, with participants and wanting to actually serve the needs of users. And I'm sure we'll get into the UX conversation soon. Um, but yeah, so all of that had impacted, you know, why I, I decided to go away from engineering and into anthropology. And Aside from the fact that you at some point realized that the word ethnography is tied to anthropology and that NASA was hiring ethnographers, did you see a clear path, you know, to be an anthropologist at NASA? Or were you still, you know, just kind of hoping that if you do the anthropology route, you can kind of force your way in? No, at the time, I just thought anthropology was cool. And I started taking classes before I even decided to make it at the time, my master's degree, I had to take some undergrad classes, you know, as a prerequisite because I'd never taken an anthropology course. Um, and I just really loved anthropology. And, you know, I love the idea of studying cultures. And I was like, hey, if the NASA thing doesn't work out, this sounds pretty cool. And it wasn't until I started my master's degree at University of North Texas and was then introduced to the UX side or the design anthropology side where I was like, hey, I can actually go back and apply this at, at NASA. And, um, but yeah, there was still, at that point, there was definitely no clear path of how to get a job at NASA as an anthropologist. I have a funny story that I'm not sure you'll remember, but you know, when I showed up at UNT for what was like, you know, I was an online student. So the visit that you do prior to it starting, we were at, um, Doug and Lisa Henry's house and for a party. And we had briefly talked and you told me that, you know, you were going to work at NASA, which, I mean, I guess you already were to some degree, but um, I had found that very interesting. I had never myself heard of, you know, I mean, I was, I, I'm well, obviously I was young in anthropology as well, but I had never even thought of it or heard of anybody working in that space. So obviously you forged a little bit of a path. Are more people there today? You're more anthropologists or Yes and no. Okay. So first of all, I wasn't the first anthropologist to ever work. And, and it, I guess we have to define too, like how, what do you define as work for? So um, to my knowledge, I was the first and only to this day, the only anthropologist hired as an anthropologist as a civil servant for NASA, meaning working directly for NASA. Um, there are tons of anthropologists who have worked for NASA in different capacities, um, you know, either have been hired on later as engineers. They were also engineers who have been hired 
than as engineers. Um, but mostly their anthropologists have been engaged with NASA by working as contractors um, or um, even on certain research projects that were you know, needing some kind of ethno ethnographic experience. So Jack Suster is one of um, the ones that I kind of patterned, I guess, and, and sought out as a mentor because he um, has engaged with NASA research from a researcher perspective, you know, doing actual ethnography and so forth. And he's been doing that since the 80s. So it's not, it wasn't anything completely new. It wasn't like I completely forged a path. Um, there just wasn't an easy way to becoming a civil servant. And as far as I know, I'm still the only one who was ever hired as an anthropologist as a civil servant. Um, and now it's here and there, we're here or there, I guess, what you consider working for NASA. But um, today, there are loads of more, a lot more anthropologists are giving NASA attention, and even I would say space exploration um, as a context um, or the field site. Sorry, um, giving a lot more attention. I think in the past there, there's just been a handful of anthropologists throughout the decades who have been interested in space exploration because it's a very difficult field site. You can't go there, um, so it's it's not one of those things. I think anthropologists have naturally been drawn to and that's definitely changed in the last five years i would say so your point about not being able to go there is interesting um i guess it's also there's an aspect of it one that it's very emerging that you can't go there and that there's a lot of possibilities of what can go right and what could go wrong right out there um and so that makes me think of what you already said about UNT and discovering design anthropology. And I appreciate that we're eventually going to make our way to talking about UX, but what about design anthropology spoke to you? Um, yeah, just the fact that it, it explained away a method. I think it, it provided the methods. I mean, it's not like design anthropology is a separate thing from anthropology. There's still, you know, participant observation is still obviously a key method, um, but it, it kind of explain methods in a way that was useful and, and practical for me going to do space research because a lot of design anthropologists um, either can't go to their their field site or it doesn't exist it exists in this virtual world or a digital kind of field site um, where you don't physically travel it's not like you go spend in two years on an island. Um, so design anthropology was great because it explained a way for me to still be an anthropologist but to do ethnography in a very unique way. And so can you speak to, you know, how you got to apply some of that in NASA? I worked in human factors engineering research, and that was like my title, research engineering research scientist or something, um, where I was doing research on, started off working on habitats, um, mostly for Mars, but it could be for any future mission. Um, and worked on that for about two years doing basically user research of habitats and, and looking at analogs, people who would stay over over the winter in Antarctica as research scientists, what it was like to live and work in an environment that's isolated and confined and extreme, where you can't just open the window or walk out the door because you had a bad day and you're stuck with your four best friends in a tiny space. Um, anything that represented that, that's what, th those were my people, th those were my field sites. Um, and then I randomly, um, as the government does, and this is my transition into being a civil servant, um, was reassigned to human resources. And I thought it was a prank at first. I was like, 
Y'all, I mean, human factors, like I know it's next in the alphabet, but like human resources is not what I do. Um, But it actually was really great um, because I didn't do HR stuff like what you typically think about HR, but I did um, more employee research, I would say. And it was it was a type of management consulting where it was part time looking at, you know, meeting with director levels looking at their organizational culture and helping them develop their strategies, their metrics for measurements of success. Um, It was a little bit of designing learning curriculums for managers, um, which all of these pieces involved, or I tried to work in as much as I could, type of, some type of ethnography. Um, You know, so if I was working for a new organization, for example, safety, doing studies where I'm actually meeting with employees and finding out what is meaningful for them and their employee experience and and then working with their managers to help improve that employee experience. Uh, And it could be anything from they just want to have more happy hours to it could be they need, you know, help improve a certain process that's just got a lot of red tape that needs to be rethought. So you mentioned there that UX was at some point, it seemed like the term was being thrown around at NASA. Um, did you learn about the term at NASA, or did you come across it somewhere else? No, I came across it at UNT as part of my design anthropology studies. Um, and yeah, like I said, several people at NASA, even on their business cards, have like UX something or other. Um, but having worked in the HR department that's how i can speak to the fact that there's not there they don't have these things on paper you can't really apply to a job this is anthropologist at nasa because the office of personal management is the one who tells nasa what they can hire and what they can't and it's not out of vindictiveness or anything like that it's just you know they're saying hey you're you're an engineering organization you can hire engineers they it's not there's just not a general awareness that anthropologists can contribute to that at the very top federal level so tell me a little bit about then you know pivoting formally into ux so you know today you're at google as a ux researcher and so what got you really interested in making that transition? Yeah, so I had done, you know, in between my studies and um, being at UNT in person on on campus in Dallas. Um, so even though I was full-time student, I was like, I'm not doing anything during the day because most of our classes were at night. I was like, I need a job. So I worked at Southwest Airlines in, in doing UX there as well. Um, that was, I guess, probably my first official on paper, although my title was Customer Insights Analyst. But again, it was in one of those groups that we, we were UX and we called each other UX. And on the organization, it said UX, you know, org chart said UX. Um, so I had already done some UX work. Um, for other com- for Southwest, I did that for about a year and then had done some freelancing again while I was doing my PhD in UX. Not, not my P- I was working in UX while I was getting my PhD in anthropology. Um, so I'd already been doing UX before I came to Google. Um, but now I guess I'm fully officially <laughs> in the UX bucket. Um, and it's weird because I don't, to be perfectly honest, I don't identify all the time as a UX anthropologist or as a UX person, I'm an anthropologist, you know, at times I'll, I'll um, identify as design, but I also do organizational stuff as well. Like, you know, even as part of my job now, I look at organizational um, processes and things. It's not just UX, I guess. And so out of curiosity, 
do you get to identify as an anthropologist like at Google? Not, you know, not what's on your business card, but is that how you would sort of explain yourself to somebody? Yeah, I, I definitely um, identify as an anthropologist and, and I can, I'm allowed to. In fact, I, I noticed one of my anthropology colleagues has on her, you know, like the directory for employees actually has anthropologists on there. And she just did a presentation yesterday where she said anthropologists at the meeting. I was like, you know, I can do that. And I just had kind of forgot that, oh, yeah, I can do that. Um, yeah, my, I guess my technical HR job description title is um, senior user experience researcher. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely able to um I did find the funny story I have about that is when I was at Southwest Airlines, um, my boss and and his boss's boss, they loved having an anthropologist on their team. And it's so, to the point where we would be in a meeting or we they'd be introducing me to a new person or a new director and I would be just the anthropologist. They would introduce me as the anthropologist. I was like, hey, guys, I have a name. I'm like, not just the anthropologist. So they were kind of on that you know, we talk on anthropology a lot about like, you don't get to say you're an anthropologist or people don't understand it. They were on the other spectrum of like, they loved having anthropologists on their team. Yeah. When you talk to different people, it really can kind of cut any way. Um, you know, there, there doesn't appear to be any kind of hard, fast rule there that would really work for everybody or every situation. Um, I've kind of often said, you know, understand your audience and figure out where it's valuable and where it's not you know, to identify that way. But so now that you're more formally in UX, even though, you know, you were, you've been doing some of that work for a while now, um, what, that, what has that transition been like and what are you learning along the way? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it's, I would say the biggest transition for me right now at Google is coming into, um, an industry. I mean, I worked in industry in the airlines, and like I said, I've done consulting. But this is where I've decided to make my home now. You know, I've I've pretty much left NASA in terms of like I needed a new thing in my career, and I've fully embraced the the industry side of of doing UX. And I think that's been the biggest transition. And it's not it's not it's not easy, but it's not difficult. But the difficult part is really translating, you know, some of the different terms for things. Um, like, for example, like in government, we have standard operating procedures or SOPs. In industry, they may not have those. Or, you know, a certain team might have, you know, some sort of documenting process. But these are little nitpicky nuances of just, we do the same thing. It's just trying to figure out what you call it versus what I've always called it for the last 20 years. And how about in terms of, you know, methods and, uh, you know, teamwork and just pace, you know, any, any changes there coming from a big massive organization like NASA? Yeah, not as much as I thought, to be honest. I expected, you know, at NASA, we had, we had really short projects as well as the long term. Uh, federal government is notorious for, you know, there's a saying working at the speed of government because it typically is very slow. Um, but we had, we had short turnaround projects as well. Um, actually expected it to be a little bit more, um, fast-paced in industry that I'm finding. But that could just be the team I'm on. That's one thing I would say, too, about not just Google, but other tech companies and other organizations in industry. It can vary, you know, especially if you have a large company or large organization. It's going to be different in each team, pretty much. Um, that's something I've definitely learned in terms of UX is that 
you know, a UX researcher working on in one product area may have a completely different experience and job expectation than one in another product area. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, even a very different focus, um, not just in terms of the product itself, but what's expected in terms of really kind of tactical versus strategic and, you know, yeah, the roles, the roles within organizations are different across organizations. They're different across, you know, many, many different groups. Um, so how about in terms of, um, you know, in your new role, of course, you know, being at Google, we can't, you know, there's a lot of things we probably can't talk about, but tell me a little bit about what you think, you know, others need to know if they want to work at an organization like Google. Um, just one, especially if you're trying to get into, and this is not just Google for probably any tech company is just to be flexible in your expectations of what your job is going to be like. Because like I just said, it could be different depending on what team you're on, depending on what product area you're on. Um, For example, I work for, I do research um, for internal people. You know, I I do basically research for other Googlers. Um, I help make their experience better. I don't work for a product area that's public facing. In other words, I don't make anything like, you know, a Nest camera or um, an app or anything like that. So all of my users are internal employees. And I have a very different mode of operation than, you know, other people, other anthropologists or other UX researchers in those public facing um, areas. So the biggest thing I would say is just to be, you know, don't go in and with your guns blazing and like, I'm going to do ethnography every day and it's going to be glorious. Um, You're probably not going to get to do ethnography every day. You're going to have to do, or if you want to be marketable, you may have to do some surveys. You may have to be willing to do those surveys, even though you may hate quantitative stuff. Um, And that's fine. We don't all have to like it, but I'm just, you know, for... I guess for argument's sake, in terms of wanting to be marketable, the more flexible you are in your methods, the more flexible and open you are to different employee experiences yourself, I think the the better off you'll be. Working internally, you know, on, you know, in, in support of, you know, the needs of other employees, there does seem to be like a fair opportunity there to bring in aspects of organizational anthropology. And so can you maybe just speak to that a little bit? You know, like what have you learned that, you know, we as anthropologists can bring to UX that maybe is not talked about enough? Yeah. Um, well, there's a couple of things. And I think one with regards to one, the organizational piece is that because as an anthropologist, we tend to see things holistically. For example, if I'm trying to improve the user experience of an employee, personally, I'm not just concerned with how they use an internal tool. I'm also curious what their what their workplace is like. You know, are they fully remote? Are they working at the office and it's very noisy? And that's therefore going to impact their interaction with this internal tool that they're using. Um, you know, things like that. That's something that we definitely bring to the table that especially people who are interviewing in UX need to highlight when they're interviewing with managers is like, look, this is the way I just think you can't switch it off. We can't stop thinking like anthropologists, or at least I know I can't. And so I think that's something that we bring that's a little unique than other UX research um, discipline, other disciplines that go into UX research. Not that they can't, but I'm just in in general, um, we tend to think more holistically. Um, And... And then on the piece, too, of like, 
I guess something that's not talked about a lot within anthropology or at least within our our university programs is that is the emphasis on needing to be um you know needing to use multiple methods and knowing which one to choose and when and particularly and I, I say this all the time to to students that I talk to you you may not like the quantitative stuff but I'm telling you if, if you can if you can latch on at least get you know, comfortable with a little bit of it. I'm not talking what you have to do statistics to the ninth, like just some descriptive statistics, learn how to write survey questions, learn how to do a sample um, of a population. That's going to help you so much. It really is because there are a lot of people I see come into UX research and, and this is across the board. This is not any organization in particular I've been in that researchers that that don't know how to do the quantitative stuff. And I'm telling you, the ones that I see succeed and, and go up and, and, you know, their ladder or whatever, um, is typically the people who can do quantitative stuff as well. So you said descriptive statistics, you've dropped surveys. Is there anything else you're seeing, you know, in the quant space that would be particularly useful? Um, learning to use different tools like R and like, for example, in UN at UNT, we learn SPSS, which is a great program. I have yet to, to work at a place where we used SPSS just because the federal government could afford it. Or we had one license and you had to go sit in an office like across campus. It was like this little closet where they plugged in one computer that would run SPSS for the whole center. It was just a mess. Um, but being able to use different things like I mean, heaven forbid that you have to use Excel to run your statistics, but sometimes that's all you got. Or really learning to use R, which I need to very badly need to get back on that. I've been learning it for years and it's just been one of those things that I keep, um, you know, putting off. But I, I need to get better at R. Qualtrics, you know, using different tools. Qualtrics is another one those, though that's it's great, but not every organization can afford it. But just being able to use different methods, and that goes to the qualitative stuff as well. Atlas TI is great or whatever in Vivo that you're used to using. Learn to use other ones because at some point you're going to be working for an organization that they all use this one, and so you've got to go learn that one. Yeah, sounds good. How about, um, you know, metrics, analytics? I mean, obviously yes. in... in Google, I'm sure, you know, they're abounding everywhere. So, you know, you don't have to speak to anything specific that Google uses, but, you know, are you seeing that being asked for? Absolutely. I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> Metrics is like what I've probably been doing for, or been the focus of my stuff for probably six months, um, cumulatively. Anyway, yes, part of that quantitative thing that I was talking about, and, and we need to get better at doing as anthropologists is definitely metrics, um, especially if you're going to work in UX, um, because you're working with engineers who want numbers, who understand numbers, and there's challenges of that, and there's times where we push back on that, yes, but typically if it's an engineering organization or a tech company and you know, that's where most UX people go, you're going to be faced with how do we measure this? And they're going to look to you as the researcher to provide that number. Whether it's right or wrong, they're going to look at you um, to, to provide those metrics. So really understanding how you even create metrics. Um, and I think this is, again, where anthropologists can be very good at this because we we're not only trained as researchers, so we understand how to write, you know, 
um, something that can be tested and measured. Um, but we also think holistically and we also think about like, what is a good OKR or a good success metric um, for this team? What makes sense for this team? What is meaningful and impactful for users versus just what, you know, somebody said might be a good thing to measure? So yes, metrics are very important. Thanks for elaborating on that. And so I know we've just talked about a few things that you, you know you would recommend, but is there anything I didn't ask about that you know you think just everybody needs to be thinking about, whether that's how they approach a resume or a portfolio or you know, additional skills, something like R, you know, but maybe like, you know, completely in another space. Um, yeah, one thing I would say for especially for new anthropologists or recent grads or even if for those even still in school, is that when you're writing your resume, just include your your work stuff that you've done as a student. You know, if it's a group project you work on, like I know UNT pro, UNT's program is very good about having um, class projects and stuff. If you've done any kind of class project, put that in your resume as work done because that is work that has been done. And don't neglect it just because you did it as a student. Um, always include that kind of thing. Um, also say too to people, especially if you're looking at trying to break into an organization like NASA or something that doesn't have a clear path for hiring, um, try to to intern or try to, you know, if it even is through a contractor route, doing something that gets you in the door, especially as a recent grad, um, where one, you can learn about the different opportunities. Sometimes you may get an internship and learn, oh, this contractor they employ anthropologists. Well, there you go. Um, but sometimes you don't know that unless until you become an insider. So, d- you know, look for internships and a lot of internships, especially in tech are paid and some of them are paid very well. Um, Southwest, you get to fly free. So it's always good. Um, I was an intern, but I was always jealous of them because I got to fly free. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's a good perk for sure. Great. And, um, so, do you have anything coming up that you'd want anybody to know about or any organizations that you're just fond of that you want to share? Yeah. So before I I left NASA for good, I guess, um, for better or worse, I um, was part of a group called Ethno ISS. Um, and this is a, I'm just, it's really exciting to be part of this group. It's out of the University of College London where I got my PhD um, and headed up by Victor Bookley, who was my my supervisor, my PhD supervisor, and it's a group of anthropologists who are basically stationed around all um, the major partners of the International Space Station, and they're doing an ethnography of the International Space Station, hence the name ethno-ISS. So they've got some, and I, I was, I've been a part of this team. I'm still, I guess, on a kind of um, supervisory or um, way connected to them so i'm very excited to see what they've got coming out because they're getting to the point um, where they'll be starting to share some findings and stuff from that so i know they're they have a session at AAA this year and there will be much much more coming out in terms of publications and talks so i would definitely um get people anybody's interested in space research or even just ethnography in a very different field site um to pay attention to them so yeah, great. Sounds really interesting. I'll look forward to seeing that myself. And um, if anybody wanted to get in touch with you, where would be a good place to find you? Oh, LinkedIn. I'm Joe Aiken. Pretty easy to find. Very good. Well, Joe, thanks for taking the time today. All right. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to the Anthro to UX podcast. To learn everything you need to break into UX, visit anthrotoux.com. 
There you will find all the podcast episodes and career coaching resources. Please like, share, and subscribe. See you next time.